Welcome to the Picture of Wealth, a podcast all about living more of your life now, yet being responsible for your future. Lifestyle experimenter, wealth scientist, and financial coach Dustin Service shares life hacks, wealth tips, and interviews successful entrepreneurs on how they're thriving in happiness, purpose, and prosperity. Today, we're talking about real estate. And when it comes to buying real estate or what piece of real estate should you buy, the assumption that I'm making about the client or the clients in this scenario is is that I have extra money. I think I should buy real estate. How do I even start looking if it's appropriate for me and my family slash me and my wealth plan slash our wealth plan? So, you know, it, it is, you know, real estate's quite simple. You can either buy residential real estate or buy commercial real estate. Then from there, if you're not buying it directly, you can buy into funds that have real estate. But today I'm specifically talking about buying, you know, a rental house or a rental condo or a commercial piece of real estate and how to look at it. In the coming episodes, you will find uh, a host of people who are involved in the real estate, I'll call it buying process. And that could be building insurance, that could be getting a commercial mortgage, uh, I'm also talking about a, a residential mortgage broker, and um, we've had residential realtors in the podcast. We've we've got a commercial realtor in this series or series of episodes. So I'm excited about it. I think real estate is a great tool to build wealth and to diversify your holdings and not to have all your eggs in one basket. Many of my clients have uh, real estate in their holding companies where they've you know amassed money and, and they're not taking it out, but they want to acquire assets that pay them income. And, and eventually that would be used to, you know when they stop working and generating money, that real estate asset would pay them an income. Hopefully it's paid off by then. And uh, you know that's how they're going to live their lifestyle. So again, I'm passionate about it. I've uh, you know started in the real estate game with a, with a condo that you know I was in my early 20s that I paid 130000 for a couple of years later. And this is in Alberta when Alberta was in the boom. Uh, I sold it for two hundred and seventy thousand, so a bit of a boost there. You know that led to buying a house for four hundred thousand in Lake Country and selling that four years later for three hundred and twenty-seven thousand. So you know, big loss uh, in that one. I've had uh, townhomes that I've bought for two hundred and uh, uh, two hundred and seventy thousand. Uh, two years later, I sold that. Uh, you know, we had it listed for four hundred. We thought we got a low ball at three seventy. And uh, we ended up taking the 370 offer, so a good uh, little boost there. That was in uh, late 07, early 08. So we all know what happened in 08, 09. Stock market and the real estate market fell out. Those same townhouses were listed for about 299000 So as much as we were a bit offended by the offer that the realtor had presented, that was still a good lift, and we got out uh, you know, early enough. That particular... Uh, piece of you know that townhouse was when uh, I was particularly young and uh, didn't want to rent and spend the money, so I partnered with a, an older gentleman who uh, you know older than me. He wasn't necessarily old, but uh, he had he had the down payment. So you know again, I was in my early twenties, formulated a partnership agreement, formulated a deal where you know this gentleman would come up with the down payment money, and then uh, we split the ownership of the property in a in a very disproportionate way. So I owned a lot less than he did. And then the, the deal was structured that at the end when it was sold, he got his down payment back. And then whatever um, you know growth was on it, we split at our proportional ownership percentage. 
Uh, he also helped me in a sense that he co-signed for the loan. Again, this is uh, nearly 20 years ago on that property, but you know, just cr- finding ways to to find deals. And you know, we bought it right, found the deal, presented it to him. He liked it. And uh, I lived in the place and had roommates. And so that sort of subsidized and make sure it stayed in good shape. But again, uh, I share that story with you to to kind of get your juices flowing that, you know, although you might not be able to th- or think you can afford a certain piece of real estate, if you really want it or you're really driven to to find a deal, if you come up with the, the right deal, investors will find you. And, you know, everyone always goes, oh, I don't have an investor network or I don't have connections. Trust me, I, I was in my early 20s. I didn't either. But I just had, you know, the wherewithal to put a deal together and show it to somebody who did have the money. And uh, it seemed to be to fitting on all fronts. Fast forwarding a bit, you know, I, I did uh, build a house, you know, we paid about 600 for it or 550 uh, and then sold it for over a million. So again, picking up momentum that led to commercial real estate, uh, you know, buying a, a commercial piece of real estate. And again, everyone wants commercial or it seems to be very, uh, you know, sought after because it's, you know, a business that leases off you. Well, it's not like a tenant in a residential house, but a long-term business tenant, they lease off you for five years. And that is true. What I can tell you from experience is that, uh, you know, when a property is leased, it's great. When you've got bigger pieces or bigger assets that sit vacant for a long time, and I'm talking a year, two, three years, that, uh, that negative cash flow every month, you need to be ready for that when you buy a commercial piece of real estate. That needs to be baked into your analysis of, okay, if we bought this piece of real estate and we didn't get the rent or we didn't get a lease secured right away, then you know, what are we going to do if we're negative cash flow all the time? You know, again, from personal experience, having cash calls every year where you've got to boost money into the property, you better be ready for that. If you've got partners, they better be ready for that. And everybody better come to the understanding and understand everyone's financial position before you buy the property. So again, that's another one of those, this will be great. Uh, Long-term hold, that's the plan, then stick to the plan. If not, then you're going to be putting money in and be prepared for that. And then on the flip side, when you do get someone that leases for five years, it should be a pretty easygoing ride for approximately five years. Now, again, if you break down the commercial piece of real estate, again, I have uh, my main business inside that particular piece of real estate. And so before I bought that piece of real estate, I paid about $2,400 a month in rent to rent an office. It was a nice little office, about 900 square feet. A uh, great part of uh, the downtown core, but what you know when I moved into the new place that that I had bought and paying the the rent there, the rent was maybe less than the twenty four hundred. So with all the negative cash calls that we were having to inject into it, I still was just paying about the same or slightly above what I was paying in rent. So from a number standpoint, it still made sense to to be paying rent and then having cash calls opposed to just paying rent to somebody else uh, and you're not having you're not owning an appreciating asset you're not owning an asset that again when you're owning something that is uh, I'll call it scarce but limited in supply then the value should go up over time or it has in the past maybe we're in for some rude awakening in the future but that has been how it worked in the past so you know, is buying, you know, you know, if you're a business owner and you think, well, I should own my place where I, you know, store my, my things or my business or my office. Uh, yes, you know, that can be considered, uh, you know, a good strategy and has worked out for lots of people in the past. Now, 
I would say in this new world that we live in of remote working, be very mindful that when you own something, and if it's a big thing, you know, if we're talking millions of dollars in, in buildings, then you are committing, you are making a commitment to servicing that item going forward. And it might mean money, it might mean time, it might mean energy, it might mean decision bandwidth. Uh, you hear me talk about that, that the more decisions we have the you know, to make, the less, well, the more decisions we have to make, if they're not managed well, it can eat into the decisions you have to make for your lifestyle. And I'm talking about, you know, should you go on a cat skiing trip or not? Well, if you're bogged down with taxes, paperwork, every time, you know, if you finance the building, uh, you know, the, the banks all want your, you know, your financial statements to review them every year. So, you know, that is a, an email nudge that when it comes, you go, oh, that's going to be a couple hours of time. Again, if the market's going up and your cash flow positive on the building, then it, it, uh, it definitely doesn't matter, you know, because it outweighs the benefits outweigh the sort of headache. But if you're striving for an ultimate lifestyle, then actually renting leaves you a lot more nimble. So in some places, your rent might be higher than owning. So if that's the case, then it needs deeper analysis. But if, if you're neutral and you're going to be paying rent, same as what you're going to be paying a mortgage payment, and the likelihood of that property going up is maybe not as high as other places, then maybe scrutinize that a little bit. You know, it might be okay to rent. Maybe if it's a little bit cheaper, then you allocate those dollars to either expanding your business more or put more money in your freaking pocket and living a better life and not panicking that, you know, you're not, you know, making investments like, you know, the Joneses next door, you know, they're buying commercial real estate and you think you should do that just because of that. Just keep an open mind and look at all your options. Thinking about real estate for a second uh, from a wealth plan, you know, there really only is three buckets that someone, you know, can build up inside their, you know, call it life. You know, again, usually I'm working with people with holding companies and I say to people, you know, think of a pie and think of three pieces. The three pieces basically are having cash or, you know, some sort of fixed income. So maybe a GIC, high interest savings account, real estate ownership, and equity. That could be equity in your business. That could be cryptocurrency. That could be stocks. That could be a private investment into your best friend's business. And so that's your, your equity. So you've got equity, real estate, and cash slash fixed income. Those are the only three buckets that, that you, you have to, to sort of really work with. Everything that you can buy as an investment is either a derivative of those things, i.e. You know, a real estate fund, so that you know, it might look like stock or an equity fund, but it's owning real estate in it. Well, that's you know, basically a fund or real estate. So uh, you can't get any more simple than that. If you think of that as a balance, it's like a third, a third, a third. The thing to watch out for is a lot of us or a lot of people have sort of built up ownership in a residential house. You know, so you've got a house. Well, that's real estate. A lot of advisors don't consider that part of the financial plan because uh, you need a place to live. I'm, you know, again, right or wrong, I look at the whole picture. And for some people, we can leave the personal residence out of the equation. For other people who maybe don't understand the market at all, they don't want tenants or you know, rental. Well, all of a sudden, the principal residence is actually a form of their wealth. You may pay off that house, upgrade it, you know, upgrade it, keep building up. You might have a $2 million house that's paid off by the time you're 60. Well, if you sold the house and rented for the rest of your life and didn't even use the market... You, 
with your government pension, if you didn't spend that much, you actually could have a decent life and not ever need the market or own a piece of rental real estate. So again, use your real estate wisely and and make sure you match up your bucket. So if you've got your principal residence and you've got a rental house, you know that might make up your, your piece of the pie of real estate. Now, a balanced program would be 33% you know, in each one. Cash, real estate, and stocks. Well, if you know your business and you know the stock market very well and can't stand tenants, then maybe you're better off to overweight and have more money in the stocks or more equity in your own business because that's what you understand and that's what you feel comfortable with. Another person might have you know, not as much comfort in the stock market. Maybe they don't have a business. Maybe you're successful and you've got a job and you're an employee and, and doing well. Well, maybe you overweight in real estate because that's what you understand and that's how you're building your plan. Everyone's different and there's no right or, way, right or wrong way to, to do it. It has to fit for what you and or you and your spouse understand because that's actually what will build a more solid plan. I look forward to sharing the rest of the episodes with you on the, the real estate series. And I know that there's a number of nuggets in there for, for, for all of you. And again, if you've got any questions or you like this episode, please share it. Please subscribe to the podcast and keep up to date with any of the new things we have coming. I'll see you in the next podcast. If you found this episode valuable, share it with a friend. If you found this episode super valuable, leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us continue to bring you top quality content. For more information on anything discussed on this show, visit www.servicewealth.com. That's service spelled S-E-R-V-I-S-S. Any investment topics covered on the show are not investment recommendations, and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. This show was produced by Podigy Podcasts. Thanks for listening.